0: So it's good to be here, it's brilliant to see you all, it's nice to see, well I've been able to see all of your faces, but it's nice to see your whole physical form, Uh, I'm enjoying that, Um, I am naturally not particularly huggy, so I'm still quite enjoying the distance, not going to lie, yeah, Tim's with me there, so people going in for a hug, I'm like, oh if you want, but yes, two metres, actually I did, there was a leaders meeting I went to just before COVID hit. And they're all vicars in this room, uh, and pastors, and who are a very huggy group of people, it's most disconcerting, uh, and they're all, they were all like, oh I'm not sure if I should hug you, I'm like definitely don't, and even when this is done, you don't need to, it's fine, let's just assume that we can carry on in that place, uh, which suggests my heart is darker than it should be. Um, so yeah, so thank you very much for turning up, for turning up on time, I said to Andy and Vic, uh, before we started, we've managed to get the whole of Gorton here before 10 o'clock, before the... Start of the meeting. Yeah, that's right. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, it will, does make our life much simpler. Uh, and as we go over a few the next few weeks and months, it looks like actually uh, doing tea and coffee outside might become possible quite soon, which would be good fun. We can hang out a bit, if it doesn't rain. Uh, and uh, kids' work uh, will begin to happen. Perhaps quite soon as well, which I think will be good fun too. Uh, and we will get a new PA put in here um, with Oasis as well, which will take a bit of time, but that will be very exciting. Um, it's almost like we're a proper church. Isn't that fun? Uh, and looking at all the chairs, I think we'll be able to get a lot more people in as well. Now, this is, again, classic pastor talk. Uh, well, I'm very interested in the number of people in the room. But actually, we want to see people get saved, don't we? We want to see people's lives changed. We do, I generally want to see churches planted into... Denton into Tameside, uh, into Reddish, into other parts of our city. Uh, and actually, by us seeing people join us here uh, and give their lives to God and start following Jesus in obedience, that's all part of that. So we're excited for those things. So uh, you can join me in that excitement. Um, yes, so we're going to begin a new sermon series today in 1 John. And if you've got your Bibles, it's worth uh, getting them out and having a look. Um... Okay. I haven't got your Bible. Wow. It should all be in your minds. Well, for, for me, that's how I do it. <laughs> One John, no, no. One John uh, right at the beginning. I'd forgotten how much you lot heckle. So, let's let's just keep talking to reduce heckling. So, I don't know about you, uh, but I do not enjoy January and February as months. I don't, because Christmas is done and Christmas is the best part of winter and after that, it's just cold, it's wet, it's Manchester. So it is grey for months at a time. You get up in the morning, it's dark. When you come home in the evening, it is dark. And this particular January, February 21 uh, was particularly low, shall we say, because we were all uh, in our own homes. You couldn't go out anywhere. There was nothing to do. Uh, so it was isolating and boring and all of those things. January and February just is a rubbish. I hate them. Apart from when it's Vicky's birthday, obviously. Oh, and who's... And Steve. And Steve's. Anybody's birthday, okay, This your birthday, just the month of the year. And why is it like that? Well, something happens, doesn't it, in March and April, which changes that, does it? Something changes it, and we all know it. And actually, probably, uh, there's all, usually a day where you're stood outside, the sun comes out, and you're like, oh, I can actually feel the warmth of the sun, the first time of the year, and it's a wonderful feeling. I, I particularly enjoy it, look forward to that. And that's because we love the light of the sun, and we don't just love it. We actually need the light of the sun. It is good for us. It's good for us physically. It's probably proven to be good for us psychologically, emotionally. The sunlight is good for us. It's not that it just makes the world lighter and drives away darkness. Actually, it brings life to us. And one of the great truths about God that we're going to think about this morning is that He is light. And it's great for us to understand that as God as light. And so we're going to begin this series on 1 John today. We're going to read the first 10 verses of 1 John 1. And I will read it for you. And it says this: That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us so if God is light like John explains here then then how do we put ourselves into that light how do we understand that and if we think about Uh, The world at the moment, perhaps how our our life is, there is lots of uh, pressure in life, isn't there? There's lots of uh, pressure in our culture, there is always difficulty in life on some level, even if you're feeling like life is good, then there's always stuff going on. There's pressure to compromise, perhaps pressure to water down or give up on faith, perhaps pressure to live just for ourselves and ignore uh, the calling that God has for us. And the church that John was writing to, so it's thought he was writing to a, a few different churches at this time, was actually experiencing quite a lot of pressure. There had been false teachers and preachers that had been teaching them uh, things that were really not very helpful, uh, bad theology, lies, uh, and were causing people to walk away from their faith or to water down their faith and to walk out of these church communities, and John paints uh, actually a very compelling picture for life, for faith, uh, particularly when life is under pressure, when life is, is tricky and it 's a very compelling vision for actually for a deep faith, not surface level, but actually a, a very deep trust in Jesus. And so we're going to think about that. If God is light, okay, how do we experience that life-bringing power that we know that light has? Also, the the revealing power that we know that light has. Uh, Even the the kind of the warming power of God, how do we experience that? Uh, And John makes it pretty clear to us, actually. The first thing he says is, look, we know we worship God. A person. That's what we do. We we know a person. So he says, from the beginning, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and that he's talking about a person. So what do we worship? If we were to say we were a, a Christian which is, uh, lots of people in the UK would say that they were Christians, right? But you think, okay, well then what do we worship? Do we worship an idea? You say, I have an idea of what I think God is like, and then we worship that idea. Perhaps it's a set of beliefs. Well, I believe these things about God and and the Bible, and I worship that set of beliefs. Or perhaps it's tradition. Think, well, I'm part of a church, the church is 2,000 years old, I worship all of the different traditions that are part of that even the routine of going to church I worship that as a as a thing or perhaps it's family upbringing I was brought up in this particular way and I worship that all of these different things that we can worship and, and claim to be Christians but John wants to hammer home actually it's none of those things it's a person it's a person Now again, the churches he was writing to, it's thought the teaching they faced played down the importance of the person of Jesus, actually, and played up the importance of ideas and belief, uh, but forgot Jesus the person, Jesus as God. And John reminds us of this. He said, look, I have seen him with my eyes. I've touched him with my hands. The person of Jesus is important. And John knew him personally. He was a friend of Jesus. He walked through Israel with him. He, he He went with him when Jesus went up before Pilate. He was a close, personal friend of Jesus. And he's saying, look, you need to understand, this word of life, actually, this is Jesus. This is the person himself. You cannot separate the message from the person. You do find, actually, it's quite easy to get caught up in the words that Jesus says, but forget him as a person. Or to do the other thing, just to talk about, oh, Jesus seemed like a really nice guy, but will ignore the difficult things that he says. Actually, they are all wrapped up in one thing. Jesus in himself is the message, his activity, his behaviour, who he is, his identity. We worship the person. And actually, it's important for us, actually, in our faith in Jesus, to think being a Christian is about knowing a person. It's very important, actually. Okay, what does it mean? So you might think, I've turned up at church on Sunday, maybe I go to community group. Actually, it's about our relationship with Jesus, knowing who he is. And that means a dialogue, means conversation. If if it's about a person, it's about talking to that person. It's about listening to that person. You cannot have a conversation with a tradition or, or a set of ideas. You can't even have a conversation with a routine, saying, well, I go to church on Sunday and the rest of the week is mine. You can't have a relationship with that. We worship a person. And that's the first thing we know. And the second thing that we can know about this, about how we walk in the light, how we uh, know God as lights, is that this person we worship is of good character. The person is light. Verse 5, John writes, this is the message we heard from him, that's Jesus, to tell you, is that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. In him there is no darkness. That's a very big statement about what God is like. About his personality. About Jesus and his character. That he is light. And this idea of light conjures up all sorts of images, doesn't it? Perhaps um, maybe some unusual ones. So when I was a kid... Uh, I remember, I think I was about 8 or 9, and I really, really wanted to watch Ghostbusters. The original, the first one, the 1980s version. And uh, my parents, because they are wiser than I was as a 9 or 10 year old, uh, said, you shouldn't watch this, Tim, because they knew I had an active imagination and that it would do me no favours at all. But me thinking that I was wiser, I went to my friend's house and watched it, because his parents were less wise than mine. And we watched this, and it scared the light. I can actually remember hiding behind the sofa in my friend's house and his mum laughing at me. That's a very clear picture. Yeah, no, yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, then for a number of nights after that, I could not sleep with the light off. And I had to tell my mum and dad what I'd done. But uh, I remember the first night with not being able to sleep, the only thing I could do to sleep was to turn the lights on. I was convinced in my room were hidden ghosts, really badly CGI'd ghosts in the dark of my room. So I turned the light on and what happened? All darkness is gone. The truth is revealed in that moment, isn't it? And it's a silly illustration, um, but it shows actually what light brings, doesn't it? It reveals everything in the room, reveals what's true. It doesn't just drive away darkness. Darkness cannot exist when there is light, because all darkness is is the absence of light. It brings hope to us in those moments. And even this doesn't really adequately describe God's, uh, because in him there is no darkness, only light. And it's a picture of us to help us understand what he's like as a personality, the character of God. It's a funny thing, we sometimes don't think about God as a personality, do we? But he has a character, like if you would hang out with any one of us, we would know that we have a personality, a character, for good and for bad. But with God, he has a, a character, a personality as well. John wasn't wanting us to worship light, like as in a light bulb, or a candle, or the sun, or anything like that. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, look, this character of God's is light. And where he is, there cannot be darkness. It's not possible. And in him, there is none. There is no malice in God's. no manipulation. He doesn't want to trick you. There is no evil in God's. He is good and good only. And his intentions are good. His desires, what he wants for us, for the world, is only good. His actions are good. His behaviour is good. And it points us towards Jesus. Now John, who wrote this letter, also wrote the Gospel of John and uh, he, he, he references Jesus he quotes Jesus and Jesus says in that gospel uh, again he says I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness they will have the light of life so we worship a person that person is of good character and that has a profound effect on us so we live in the light So if we worship a person, if that person is of good character, if he's perfect in fact, actually that has quite deep implications for us. So again, John is addressing this bad teaching that he'd seen in the church, which was, was causing real world devastation, actually. People were, uh, were leaving the church, people were signing up to a different uh, gospel, a different way of thinking, which was causing them to walk away from Jesus. And, and so John says, look, there are a few questions that you can ask each other and yourselves to help you with this, to help you to grow in maturity, to help you uh, spot this bad theology and bad teaching. And to help you to live and walk in the lights, to have this relationship with this person. Uh, And so he says, if we say, a few times, so if we say such and such, then this is true. So he gives us a few examples of that. Okay, so let's have a look at this. And the first one he says, if we say we have fellowship with him. So if we say. So the first thing he says, this is the first thing you can do to help you walk in the light, to help you understand God as a person, God as have good character. The first one is have fellowship. So if we say <clears throat> we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So firstly, what we say needs to be backed up by what we do. So what we say is revealed by what we do. So we can say one thing but behave in another and therefore what we say isn't true. So you can say you're a Christian, you can say I follow Jesus, but you can behave in a way which suggests you don't. And John says therefore that is a lie. So when I was a kid... I got picked for the school cricket team. That's right. And I got picked for the school cricket team because I said, I remember the conversation with my PE teacher very clearly, that I was brilliant at cricket. (laughs) Uh, I remember, I was a confident kid. I thought I could deal with Ghostbusters. I thought I was Freddie Flintoff. I said, I am brilliant at cricket. And I remember the teacher going, wow, you're confident. I'll pick you. I was not brilliant at cricket. I never played for that team again. And what I said was not backed up by what I did. What I said actually uh, could have been true, but it was revealed by my behaviour to not be true. It was a lie. And actually, to say something is a lie in the modern world is a pretty big statement, isn't it? Truth has become very, very flexible. You can really... What's true, can't you? You can pick what is convenience to you. And we regularly hear people say this, "Well, this is my truth. This is true for me. and we can uh, choose, like you go to Tesco's and choose which variety of pot noodle you want. You can choose which variety of truth you want for yourself. You can say, "This is true, this is how I'm defined. this is who I am. I've chosen it, so it is true. Ultimately, as humans, we are defined not by the truth that we pick, not by the things we say about ourselves, but by our relationship to God. That is the only thing that defines us. So as we watch our culture evolve, as we watch people say, well, I'm choosing to say that this is true about myself, regardless of actually behaviour or activity or anything else, um, then we can know actually that's not true. The only thing that defines you, the only truth that is real, is your relationship to God. He says, if we claim fellowship with God, but behave differently to that, then that is a lie. And then he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, it's interesting how he uh, um, ties fellowship with God to fellowship with each other together, isn't it? You want to notice that there. Very important. We are not Christians on our own. We don't walk this journey on our own. One of the most difficult things about lockdown church is perhaps the sense of you do it on your own. Uh, and that perhaps a, a Zoom screen doesn't quite... Make for fellowship with one another. And John says, look, how do we walk in the lights? Well, we do it together. A community of the church walks together in the light. We can team up on this stuff. If, tr- if working out what is true and what is a lie is becoming difficult, then we can walk that together. We can work those things uh, with each other. Now he's not saying that the fellowship of the church is what saves you. You're in trouble, you get to a church, by being around people, by accountability, by all whatever it might be, by spending time with Christians, that will make you someone who can walk in the light. He says actually, the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins. The blood of Jesus his son brings us into the community, but also makes us pure, makes us holy, brings us into the light, not into the darkness. And the second thing he says that we can, uh, that helps us to come into the light, helps us to understand God as light, the second if we say is this, verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John, again, who's writing this letter, wants his readers, the churches he wrote to at the time, uh, and us today, he wants us to be honest, okay, to, to be real. Uh, and I suspect there were people in those churches who were saying, since I became a Christian, I have never sinned, ever. Uh, and he's saying, if you say that, you are deceiving yourself. And probably even by the very statement shows some pride, doesn't it? To claim that we are free from sin. To claim that we are perfect. To claim that there is actually nothing difficult happening in life. To claim that we have made no mistakes. To claim that we have hurt nobody. Actually, to claim that we have always perfectly obeyed God. He's saying, look, those things, if you're saying that, you are deceiving ourselves. Yourself. He says, look, confess your rebellion against God. Confess the things that we have done wrong. Confess the mistakes made. And confession actually brings light. So we perhaps think we confess to something and we get told off. Uh, And actually if we... uh, We play out what happens in the modern world. If someone makes a mistake, uh, they are called out, they confess, and you think, oh, they've confessed, they've owned up to it, good. Well, then extra condemnation often comes to them. Perhaps you've known that actually in your family life. Uh, As a kid, maybe, you did something wrong, and you felt terrible, you confessed it, and you realise that confession leads to quite strict discipline and telling off. Perhaps you've experienced that as well. But actually, John is saying confession brings us into the light it allows the light of god's into our lives at the moment in CCM, uh, we're running uh, a course, kind of a trial run of the course, which we hope to roll out uh, across the church, called the, the Steps Course, uh, and it's about helping people deal with life-controlling habits, uh, emotional or spiritual problems, and it kind of takes you through a 12-week program, very similar to the Alcoholics Anonymous program, just it takes you through step-by-step to help you find uh, freedom, to help you find uh, some way out of these um, these issues and to build uh, a better life a better way of living uh, and the highlight of the course the peak of the course actually is in the middle it's confession on week 5 uh, and i've done this course twice as participant and as a leader so i've had to confess to uh, a course leader twice as part of this and uh, i found it very very powerful and the first time when they were explaining the course to me they said okay at this point you do a confession i was like who do i confess to and they said oh just your course leader and my first thought was, this, this is I'm, I'm not a Catholic, this is very odd, I, I don't do confession, I don't go to church to find the minister to confess to them in that very formal way. I might confess to God quietly and maybe to someone else if I'm feeling really uh, rubbish about it or I've done something wrong, but actually that practice of confession I found to be very, very powerful, whether it's something that I've done a particular thing, or whether it was a, a behavior or mindset that I knew was causing me to trip up uh, and um, continually make bad decisions, actually to write out very clearly and honestly what that was, so not to deceive myself, not to lie to myself, actually to say, This is what I have been doing, and hopefully that that would be true and accurate, and then to confess that to someone, and then they would pray forgiveness over me. They didn't say, I forgive you of what you've done because they had no power to forgive me. Only Jesus does. But uh, they would actually use this verse often. And they say, if, you confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And having that prayed over you in that moment of confession actually is a very powerful thing. Yes, I've confessed. And what is God's reaction? Quick discipline, uh, a, a slap a reordered life that is imposed on me which is no fun or is it justice and faithfulness kindness at me he cleans me as well So when I came to this point, uh, as I've done this course, both times actually, because uh, it was a bit of a thing for me, I I confessed a fear of what other people think of me. That was my confession. And I confessed that fear sometimes prevents me from doing what I think God has called me to do because I'm too worried that what someone else will think of it. Uh, And that was my confession, a a fear of man. Uh, And each time I confessed it, they would pray that uh, God is faithful, uh, God would forgive you. And as I confessed that, I knew that actually in speaking out the words, taking the the physical decision and speaking out the confession to be very, very powerful, knowing the forgiveness of God's, knowing as well that he began that process of cleansing me from all unrighteousness. Of changing my mind through the Holy Spirit, of slowly but surely over my whole life until I am dead and before God of making me more and more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Confession brings us into the light. So this morning, just as I finish, and Sonia's going to lead us in uh, two more songs of worship. Um, Just while Sonia is leading us, let's just think to ourselves, as we're perhaps thinking about the words, or as we're clicking our fingers, or whatever we do. But think, am I in the light? Just as an honest question. Perhaps this morning you've never known the light of God's in your life. You've never uh, said, God, you are light. I want to follow you. I want to walk in the light of God's." And it's light that reveals. Perhaps reveals stuff that we don't want to to see. Perhaps reveals really good stuff as well that we hold back. Light as well that brings life to us. Grows us. Warms our heart. Light as well that drives away darkness. And John explains, look. Jesus' sacrifice, his death, cleans us, brings us into righteousness of all our wrongdoing, calls us out of the darkness into the light.